With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, Miller and Dace coming at you. And Steve, before we dive into some uh, deeper Miller and Dace-ish, Miller and Dacian topics, that might be better. Uh, Some things happening last week uh, on the uh, Iowa front pursuant to Iowa basketball, some pursuant to Iowa basketball, well, both really. Let's start out with um, the news that was announced that the uh, the Big Four Hy-Vee, Big Four Classic in Des Moines that pitted um, Iowa and Iowa State alternating years playing Drake and Northern Iowa at the Wells Fargo Arena, that is no longer going to be taking place after this coming December. And... I don't really know that, uh, well, from an Iowa standpoint, and I think actually an Iowa State standpoint, administratively, nobody's all that sad about it. I don't think it was really all that big of a deal. Uh, it was just a way to maybe placate or pacify Drake in northern Iowa from an Iowa and Iowa State perspective to continue to play them occasionally. But I think the days of Iowa State and Iowa playing home-and-home series on an annual basis with Drake in Northern Iowa uh, are gone for the foreseeable future. I don't think a lot of tears being shed on the Iowa and Iowa State front, but I'm sure Northern Iowa and Drake fans would think differently. I'm sure they would, but, you know, and I'm not trying to be cruel. It's really not that many people. You know, I remember... Um, Remember Off Campus, that store we used to have in Des Moines that was half Iowa, half Iowa State, used to sponsor a lot of our stuff on Sports yeah, Talk yeah. Radio. And great store. They tried, uh, and I, in fact, I did a live remote for them when they tried this. Uh, they, they tried to do a special breakout section for Northern Iowa when uh, the first time Greg McDermott took them to the tournament. And Iowa and Iowa State were really struggling in basketball at that time. And I remember that remote because we used to get some huge crowds out to off campus, you know, for Iowa and Iowa State themed remotes that we did out there for years. Nobody came, you know, like like nobody came. Yeah. So um, I'm sure their fan bases, you know, we greatly enjoyed a couple years ago or actually it's almost 10 years ago now, if you can believe it, when they beat Kansas in the sweet in the round of 32 and all that. that, that those are great stories. It, it's really not that many people. Um, the payday that Northern Iowa gets from playing Iowa State and Iowa in football is far more valuable anyway. Um, so I, I enjoyed the event. I went to the very first one. We used to talk about it as a concept, you know, when I did daily sports talk radio in Des Moines and went to the very first one when Hyvee made it a reality. And it was a great concept. But, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that I don't, I don't know how many people organize their, their sporting calendar around it, John. Yeah, I can't think of that many. I think I maybe went to one of them. Um, the other thing that happened last week was that uh, it was announced that the Primetime League, after 31 consecutive years of being in operation, um, Iowa City attorney Randy Larson, the guy that really has spearheaded this and run it 
in all of these years, and frankly, he did a ton of work. Uh, I'm not sure what benefits he got from it, and maybe you don't always have to do things for personal benefit, and I think the Primetime League might be an example of that for Randy, uh, is no longer, uh, is going to cease to exist. Uh, the NCAA rules changed a year or so, a couple years back, where coaches are allowed to work uh, extra time with their players on a regular basis in the summer, uh, maybe cutting down the value of something like the primetime league. I used to enjoy it, uh, enjoyed going to it. I certainly still enjoyed seeing Rob Howe's video highlights of, of newcomers, you know, like last year, Luca Garza, Jack Nunji, looking forward to seeing, um, you know, how the kid from Muscatine, Joe Wieskamp was going to fare this summer. But, you know, it's something, frankly, I can live without. And I think a number of people probably can. Uh, your basketball program absolutely goes on a significant hiatus in Iowa City from, you know, March until October, November. So, you know, the Primetime League afforded an opportunity for the basketball brand to get out there a little more locally, a chance to sell it, a chance to, even for the fans to go see these players up close and personal in a way that they can't really at any other point in time. I, I, I'm kind of ambivalent towards the loss of this league. I'm curious if you have any opinions I haven't thought of. I'm surprised. I, that, that's your take. Um, so, you know, you're the resident Hawkeye fan here, so I will defer to you. Uh, listen, I, I last we'll, we'll talk about this probably at some point in time today, but I, I, I do not speak for the fans. I don't, I, I don't know half the time if, I, if my opinions are, are like theirs. They're the paying customers. Yeah. They're the ones that have to make decisions to buy season tickets. Um, even if I lived in Iowa City, uh, I probably wouldn't. It's just not my thing. I, I enjoy watching games more on television, things like that. So, you know, when, when the Big Ten is likely going to have a, a new bowl game in Wrigley Field. And, you know, between the, the Big Ten and ACC. And for, I wrote an article last week that's saying, hey, I, I, I wouldn't go. I don't think this is very smart. I heard from a ton of people that said, hey, this is going to be well attended. Um, I'll go. Uh, not me, but I don't speak for the fans, I don't think. I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm connected no, I'm not, to them I'm in that way. I'm not giving you that. I'm not uh, giving you that mantle or burden. I just think you're more likely to speak not for but with the fans than I am, mm -hmm. you know. But when, when I was doing daily sports talk radio, I, I tried to go out there once I, I try to go out there once every summer just to see a lot of the guys that were working out, uh, new players, recruits, things of that nature. So I, I, I actually never saw the local one in Des Moines that Iowa State was a part of. No, I right. didn't see it once. I take it back one time because that was really kicking in the high gear as I was leaving Sports Talk Radio. But I used to go out to Iowa City every summer, you know, several years in a row and watch the primetime league for a day. Uh, especially in the summertime when you're looking for content, so you get a chance to see some guys and uh, the the intimacy with the fans, the chance to watch these guys, you know, because there is such a long layoff uh, you know, for the basketball off season. I, I would have figured you'd be a little bit more nostalgic for this one. Actually, I'm kind of surprised you're more laissez faire. But you know, I I also think the NCAA rule is better for fans of the team because as much fun as the access you got for a few weeks in the summertime is you'd really rather have them have a mini spring practice uh from a team preparation standpoint with formal coaching and 
and, and training and those sorts of things. So I think that's only that's more helpful to a team overall. But I would have figured, you know, fans like you guys would have would, would miss this going away. It was a nice break from the heat of Iowa in Iowa summer. And you get a chance to watch the team, you know, in an informal setting and and really, you know, maybe get to know some of these guys. Yeah, I'm sure there are a number of people that feel the way that you just expressed. Um, maybe through the years, I've actually become more like a, a worrisome that somebody's going to get hurt. The Tyler yeah. Cook's going to blow his knee out. So yeah, to me, the, that, the, the risks seem greater than the rewards for me. Um, you know, they're going to, yeah, are they going to be playing pickup basketball on their own? Probably. But with these new NCAA rules, I also wondered just about fatigue being a factor. And even though, you know, Iowa is a deep team and can play a lot of players, I just felt it was more opportunities to get hurt. And at some point in time, the odds were going to go against you. Now, these new NCAA rules that are allowing coach supervised practices in the offseason, is there anything limiting schools from making these open to the public? That's a great question. Um, it's a very good question. You know, because it's not like it's not like in football where you might not want your practices open to the public because you're installing a new a new scheme. This that and the other. By the time you play your your conference, get to your conference season in the Big Ten basketball, you know you you will have played. 10, 11, 12 games. So if Iowa would decide to become a, a zone defensive team this offseason and into next year, it's not like that's going to be a secret by the time you get to Big Ten play. And, right. it's, and it's not like, you know, coaches from other schools are going to have a problem coming up with offenses to go against zone defenses because they're doing it anyway. So, yeah, you know, it, it, may, it might take away from the it, it it would, if I was a coach, it would just be a distraction in the gym like that where it's so – if people are talking up in the stands, you can hear it. Where in football, it's just a little bit farther away. But, no, it's an interesting point. Open that up. You know, maybe yeah. maybe like – Have one open yeah, practice. Yeah, right, right. One open practice. Yeah. Let, the, let the fans come in, watch a scrimmage. You know, um, I, I don't – I think I, – I want the players to get more coaching. I also don't, uh, you know, the fans ultimately, the game only, the games only benefit by giving the fans access. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, the games are for the fans. You also can't let them, you know, uh, you can't be slaves to them either. The fans aren't always right. But if you could open these, particularly this time of year, make it a family outing, show a movie on the screens afterwards, let people see a, a 90 minute scrimmage with the players you don't have to show any technique drilling drills or training or anything or you're, hey, we're working on this guy going to his left and we're you don't have to show any of that. Just let him scrimmage. But the fans get out there in the summertime, escape some heat for a few hours one Saturday during the offseason. I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. No, I don't, I don't either. And, and back before the primetime league and even afterwards, I, Iowa used to hold like shirts and skins games before football games. So if it was a you know say a two o'clock football game, you could go over to Carver Hawkeye Arena at ten o'clock, yeah. and the basketball team would be working out. I remember going to those a ton, yeah, um, as a kid, and and even at, even when I was starting Hawkeye Nation out in you know the early part of the two thousands, they still did that. I don't I don't even I don't know if they do that much uh, anymore. So you just continue to lose these, you continue to lose these connections to your team and. It's probably not a great thing, especially when 
uh, you're coming off a four-win Big Ten campaign, but that is what it is, as they like to say. All right, so that's what's – you know, I don't know that we're going to discuss this in the Bigger Ten podcast, but what, what, what do you think about a bowl game at Wrigley Field in Chicago between the – you know, replacing the Foster Farms Bowl between the Big Ten and an ACC opponent? What do you think about that? Uh, I don't mind the idea as a standalone. I think it's a terrible idea to replace a trip to California for Midwest fans with a trip to Chicago because it's it's not New York City. I mean, almost the amount of people that are serious about going to a game like that that have never been to Chicago, even amongst the new teams in the league, Maryland, Rutgers, it's pretty small. I mean, Chicago has been a main airport hub for decades. You know, I-80 is the most traveled interstate, is is the most traveled roadway in this hemisphere. Mm -hmm. So the novelty of not having seen Chicago is not anything close to the novelty of going to New York City at Christmas time, you know, and where they filmed Elf, um, where they filmed so many other great scenes of Christmas nostalgia and stuff in the past, right? Um, Not everybody's been to Broadway, not everybody's seen the Empire State Building in person. To me, there's much more novelty associated with going to a game in New York City in December where, the, where it's at, at, at Yankee Stadium than Wrigley Field. And you could argue Wrigley Field's more of a football, baseball Valhalla than Yankee Stadium. But Chicago's not the intellectual curiosity to the average football fan, particularly that time of year, like New York City is. You know what I'm saying? I, so I don't think they're they're congruent or equivalent at all. I think it has. I think if you were replacing like the Quick Lane Bowl with that, okay, because that's Detroit anyway, and no one was going really anyway. Uh, and who cares about playing the Mac in a bowl game anyway? Right? I would have no problem with that. But I I really think I, I don't know that there's a clamoring market of people in the Midwest that would rather go to Chicago, where most people in the Midwest have been before anyway, um, go to Chicago instead of California. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that the Foster Farms Bowl was all that well attended by Big Ten teams because um, the teams that have the best traveling fan bases, if you're going to go to the Foster Farms Bowl, that's a letdown year. So you're not all that excited to go spend good your point. money there. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but... Uh, maybe people are hardier than I am. I mean, I, I wrote that little piece and said, no way would I go to that. I mean, well, then let me give you another reason why I think it's a bad trade off recruiting. Um, I, I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but the state of Georgia in the class of 2020, I think is going to produce more five stars by itself than the entire Big Ten footprint will, mm. the way it's trending right now. Not this class, but the next one. Okay. Um, so you cannot do this halfway provincialism in the Big Ten. I, I know you're in favor, as you live in Tulsa, of going full provincial. I know that. Okay. So, but that would, I'm not in favor of it, but it's better. Explain than what you mean to people. Like, you'd be okay if every, if, if it was just really a total round robin Big Ten schedule in football. Yes. And and that would mean one non-conference game. You'd be fine with that. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's a bad idea, but it's not as bad as, as half-assing it like this, you know? So um, if we're going to just say the league only exists now to serve the financial interest of the Big Ten Network, which serves the, which serves the primary financial interest of our member institutions, and so we're just going to schedule as much content that can be played exclusively on the Big Ten Network so we keep all that money for ourselves as much as possible, okay. I mean, I, I, it's not good from a competitive standpoint. It'll, it's a killer from a college football playoff standpoint. But um, I don't think it makes any difference at all from an NCAA tournament standpoint. But um, if that's what you want to do, okay. But don't, but don't say we want to compete with the college football playoff, but we're going to lower our exposure to places where there's actually better players than where our native recruiting region is at. Like if I'm the University of Nebraska, I, 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 I'm fighting the hell out of that. I'm, the amount of players I'm going to pull out of Chicago, which actually isn't producing the kind of talent it did 20 years ago anyway, is minuscule compared to the, you know, I, I, I've got my, my, my head coach used to be the offensive coordinator at Oregon, where they built an entire program off of recruiting California. You know what I'm trying to say? I, I, that's why I think, you know, that's why I was in favor of adding Georgia Tech to the league when we had this last round of expansion. They're already uh, one of those um, it, research institutions. Atlanta is next to Chicago, the major airport. Actually, I think it might have surpassed Chicago now. Or it's it right there with Denver for the major airport hub in the country. Uh, the state of Georgia, I think in 2020, like I just said, it's going to produce more five stars than the entire Big Ten footprint combined. I, 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 either, either we're a provincial league and we're just here for ourselves and to cash checks, you know, from Midwest customers. Okay. Or we, if we're a global league, then we need to behave like one. And we need to get to as many places as possible to expose our product as many places as possible. Having bowl games in Detroit and Chicago at the same time doesn't do that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not a fan. I mean, I, I'm so provincial. I, I just as soon see the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten form a scheduling alliance and basically have their own playoff and not even worry about the, uh, the rest since those two conferences are far more collegial. Those two conferences uh, provide far more opportunities for student-athletes to play oh, uh, more, sp- more sports. It as would opposed to the, It would help with the playoff if yeah, they did that. of course actually. it would. As opposed yeah. to the SEC, you know, where they basically have, what, six or seven sports and they have, you know, triple the football budget because they don't have to, you know, they choose not to provide opportunities for the uh, – crew team even though i think it's silly and you're basically you know anyway i don't want to go down that road but yeah that's that's the way i would like to go so all right um some interesting things you know over in the the bigger 10 podcast this week we're going to talk about you know players and kind of get at the granular level of football so we're kind of shifting from a from a hawkeye perspective here to a more miller and dace interested uh topics um i think it was last week uh, June 8th-ish, so maybe a little bit longer than a week ago. Nine Minnesota Gopher football players who were involved in a 2016, I think, uh, sexual yep. investigation, sexual misconduct investigation, are suing Minnesota for racial and yep. gender discrimination. If, if you recall, this was the thing that we, we felt that got likely got Tracy Clay's fired mm-hmm. um, because he basically came out defended his players defended his players 
yeah. uh, in, in the face of this. The lawsuit claims that Minnesota willfully and maliciously turned the players into scapegoats through a biased investigation that deprived them of the, quote, most basic due process and equal protection rights. Um, you also had juxtaposed at this particular point in time, Steve, remember the, there were allegations of inappropriate, uh, well, not, well, maybe they were allegations, but pretty strong allegations between a media member, a female, and a former, I think it was athletic director, who mm -hmm. was really, uh, you know, way overstepping um, any sort of decorum. Um, I don't know if you'd call it sexual assault, but sexual overtones and, and unwanted boundaries. Yeah, yeah. boundaries, un, unwanted invitations, to put it mildly. So this is kind of blowing up right now. And reading through it at first blush, it's difficult because you want to be careful because you and I don't possess all the facts. Um, there is some discrepancies, per se, or some maybe lack of definitive uh, who he said, she said with regards to this. What's your take on this one with Minnesota? I think it's even broader than Minnesota. And I, and I think the era in which we live always requires disclaimers, okay? So, you know, you can add or subtract from the disclaimer I'm about to air as you see fit for you. I think, I think rape should be a capital offense. I have no problem if Harvey Weinstein is given the electric chair. Right. I don't have a problem with, I don't believe Bill O'Reilly uh, Fox fired their most profitable show, and um, Bill O'Reilly paid a woman millions of dollars out of his own pocket to keep quiet because he didn't do anything wrong. That's just not how human nature works, okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you and I, between us, have four daughters, and uh, approach one of my kids like this, and I'm going to introduce you to my friend Second Amendment, Okay. So there's the disclaimer out of the way. Are you okay with my disclaimer? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. So with the disclaimer out of the way. How many guns do you have? What's that? How many guns do you have? Uh, approach <laughs> one of my daughters and you will find out. Okay. Um, here's the thing, though. You said a key phrase a minute ago. We don't really know what the truth is. And when we sat here and did this podcast when the whole Tracy Clays thing was going on, we were not alone. We were pointing out, dude, you can't do that. You can't just immediately assume your players are innocent. And, you know, remember when Alford did that with Pierre right. Pierce back in the day, right? Now, Pierre Pierce proved him wrong, obviously. But here at Minnesota, here's what happened. Nobody went to jail. Nobody was prosecuted. Three of these nine players still have eligibility, like Antoine Winfield's son, Antoine Winfield Jr. Remember him, the great All-American at Ohio State. He's slated to start on the team this year. This is one of the weirdest dynamics ever. I'm suing you for discriminating against me as a black person and as a man for claiming I was automatically guilty of a sexual assault. So I'm suing you for racial and gender discrimination, but uh, go alma mater. That's just, I don't know how in the world P.J. Fleck, maybe he's calling Pat Fitzgerald, hey, when your players unionized, how did you handle it? Pat's like, mm -hmm. well, we didn't. We went five and seven. The worst season I've ever had here, okay? Um I don't know how P.J. Fleck manages that, but it's even broader than Minnesota. A few months ago, we found out, you know, Baylor's a private institution. So you know, you've got to pull teeth from them uh, under FOIA laws to get them to 
release information because they're not under the same boundaries the publicly funded institution is. We found out Baylor paid Art Bryles $15 million, the full, I think it's the full amount of his contract. Now, if you could get out of paying somebody for, for cost, for, for cause, because you fired him for cause, mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't even negotiate the buyout. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They didn't pay him four or five million to go away. They paid him $15 million. That's what happened at Baylor. There's been several of these instances recently where what we and, and so those are just a look at Michigan State. So their 2016 class, which was one of the first times Mark D'Antonio decided instead of that chip on the Colt on the on the shoulder guy, let me go get the the Donnie Corleys of the world. And I think that was his highest ranked class. It was destroyed by what happened on campus with three of the top recruits there involved in an alleged uh, of, of sexual assault, a joint sexual assault. I don't think any of them are going to jail either. I think they all got probation, time served, and, and counseling. Hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out here. Um, if these guys are as guilty as, we, as they appeared to be, based on the seriousness of the allegation, why are you paying Art Bryles $15 million? $15 million! Who does that? Who just similar, which is why I brought up my Bill O'Reilly point a few minutes ago. You don't just pay people money like that to go away when you've got the goods on them. You don't do that. Right. You do that when they've got the goods on you. Typically, right? Don't you typically do that? Well, or um, they they either have the goods on you, or there is a a lawyer telling you there is uh, significant doubt as to uh, culpability. I watched. You know who Chris Hardwick is. You would know his face. Do you know, you probably don't know the name. No. You ever, Chris Hardwick hosts like The Talking Dead on AMC. Okay, those shows after The Walking Dead. There's a great game show he started. LeBron James produced. It's called The Wall. Phenomenal game show. Our family loves it. He's the host of that. Uh, he hosts a lot of the panels, like the the ape, the All Star panels with the Avengers and the Justice League actors at Comic Con. He's he's kind of a mini legend in the fanboy world. You're right. right? I would not know him. Let me give use language you would understand. He's sort of a 21st century Jim Zobel for fanboys. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So right, his his I think it's his former wife or former girlfriend wrote a blog for Medium the other day saying uh, he sexually assaulted me. It's just a devastating piece when you read it. Um, he defended himself against these charges the very same day. Right now he's losing his entire career. Now. There's nothing in his past that we know of to indicate this allegation is true. Doesn't mean it's not true. But there's no corroborating evidence other than this one story. It's not Harvey Weinstein, where women, where people are just coming out of the woodwork, okay? It's this one story. But you're watching his entire career, and it may be true. And I want to make sure our audience understands, I grew up in a home with domestic violence. I literally had to defend my mom physically from my stepdad, literally. I faced violence from my stepdad myself. I took belt buckles to the face. I used to get coached on how to not how to lie to teachers, and, and they'd send me off to elementary school after I got beaten. Okay, so I'm not desensitized to this. If anything, I tend to err on the side of take that dude out back behind a woodshed, and let's just act like his daddy wore a condom that night and he was never born. Because that's, that's where I come from. I, I don't have much mercy for this. But I'm looking at these cases where we were all led to believe all these people were guilty. And in these, and, and what happened at Minnesota, what happened at Baylor, 
Michigan State's essentially a slap on the wrist. This is not the behavior. This is not. So either we're way out of whack in how we are dealing with people who ought to be far more seriously condemned for these actions or or we're in an environment where because of past wrongs, we are we are Duke lacrossing a whole bunch of people here. Because let me tell you what happened at Michigan State when there's an allegation that multiple dudes essentially ran a train on a girl without her wanting to. You know, um, we had a case like that at Iowa State when I owned Cyclone Nation. Two of the team's best offensive linemen were accused of double teaming one of their teammates' daughters. Case went to trial in Ames. You'll remember the case I'm talking about. And they were found not One of their teammates' daughters? It, I'm sorry, sisters. My okay. bad. Thank you All for right. correcting me. They were found not guilty, and it came out eventually that she just came to visit her brother over a weekend. She felt ashamed that she let these guys do this, and it just went all the way to trial, and they were they were exonerated. So I, I'm not sure what what where we are. I, I just think this: when you have a culture as sexually damaged and licentious as ours is right now, where the lines are blurred between what's moral and what's not, what's consent and what's not. Throw in all kinds of alcohol and camera phones. And, uh, you know, my teenage Christian homeschool teenage daughter performs in civic center plays and stuff around town all the time. So she's around the kids that weren't educated or, or raised the way she was. She'll just tell you all the time. She just told me flat out, Dad, there's not a day that goes by one of my friends doesn't get a dick pic from somebody. Just flat out. It's a different time. And I think that. I don't know what it means because I'm perfectly fine throwing the book at guys who do this to women. But I think we also, when, when schools are, are paying full price to coaches, they claim we're running rape gulags. Um, and, and Minnesota keeps guys on campus and lets them still play for their team that they fired the coach for defending against a, a, a terrible charge. Michigan State, no one goes to prison. Um, you know what I'm saying, John? Maybe we need to sit and reevaluate, you know, what's a credible allegation and what's not. I don't know because it's it, it's in, that's a big reason that 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 story and how it divided the Michigan State football team is a big reason why they went three and nine. It's a big reason why they have no depth. They lost an entire recruiting class, basically, because of this scandal. Um, it's a big reason Baylor football went from one of the top 10 programs in the country to the perennial doormat that they were before our Bryles arrived. I mean, this is having real-world consequences on the, on the, in terms of how we're covering sports beyond the societal aspect of this. And, you know, I don't know. I guess either the University of Minnesota really doesn't care about women, and so they let these guys who did this to this girl still stay on the team and get a scholarship and play football for them, like Antoine Winfield Jr., or... He was unfairly charged. I don't know that there's a third option, John. Do you? Can you come up with one? No, I mean, not not off the top of my head. I mean, first and foremost, I think each of us, the the first thing that we would like to see done is justice. Mm -hmm. If there if there is a wrong committed, then you know we want at least some degree of rightness to be applied to it, and that would be in the form of justice. But if you know that an athlete did X, Y, or Z, and you know, to use a term you just used, rape gulag, a, a, a coach was turning a knowing but blind eye to it, then you have these people 
dead to rights, and there should be no quarter. There should be no $15.1 million settlement with Art Bryles, even though he was owed, you know, his contract called for $39 million, but, and he was earning $6.1 million a year. There should be no large settlements like that. That shouldn't happen if you know you have someone. Maybe it's just the litigious nature of society that we live in today that if there's any if there's any level of doubt, if there's any level of, well, if we do this, we could be embroiled in a lawsuit for four years or five years and run up this many billable hours and, oh, by the way, they're going to start bringing people to the stand and being sworn in. And do you really want anybody to open that closet? Because no yeah. one's talking about that right now. Maybe yeah. there are just too many other bodies in other rooms and other ghost rooms that we don't know anything about. But now, in the case of Michigan State, that can't possibly be true. There can't be other any. There, there can't be anything more heinous going on than Larry Nasser and you know some of the allegations of the, the the football program and what they went through. There can't be worse things. So I don't understand how that culture operates up there when no one, I mean, Nasser's the only dude that's going to spend time. I mean, at least at Penn State, yeah, the two top ranking officials, I think, on campus. Yeah. The president and the AD both went to prison. It's still there, as far as I know. Um, and, I ne- and I've never bought the argument the NSA shouldn't have gotten involved because there's no competitive. When I see smart people like Jay Billis and others make this point, and I've never heard anybody counter this when they say, um, if if it wasn't in order to maintain a competitive advantage, then why wasn't Penn State w- willing to confront Jerry Sandusky all those years? Right. The only reason you kept it hidden all those years or you looked a blind eye, depending on which version of the story you believe, is because you didn't want to blow up your football program. That's why. That's why. That's the only That's the very definition reason. of a competitive advantage, John. That's the very definition of it. Yeah, no doubt. No, I don't no understand question. that argument at all. It doesn't make any sense. Well, the, the alternative is everyone there is a pedophile, so they were joining in. That's the only other alternative, and we know that that's not true. So I would agree with you. So that, that being that the very nature, of course, it, 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 the NCAA should have jurisdiction, but I don't believe the NCAA has the ability, the nuance, the personnel to accurately investigate criminal criminal matters. I agree. They're not equipped. Yes. It's not a matter of jurisdiction. It's yep. a matter of ability to perform yeah. that. Now, if you're if you're if the methodology if the methodology is the argument you're arguing, I'm okay with that. You're right about that. They don't have subpoena power, you know. So you're exactly right. But this idea that they have no interest at all, ideologically, in what a school covers up to maintain a competitive balance. The only reason, the reason Baylor didn't throw all these guys out that allegedly did this and get rid of them is the same reason Penn State didn't do anything. It's the same reason. It's, you, you do this to cover up the fact that um, this, would, this would be such a, a huge besmirching on your, on your program. It would, have a, it would have an impact on your ability to recruit. Uh, you know, you lose sponsors. I mean, Michigan State... Michigan State during the basketball season had sponsors leave the, the program when Tom Izzo was holding postgame pressers with their logo on the backdrop next to the Sparty logo. They didn't want the, I mean, they were they were losing sponsors like a cable news show when they're boycotted. That's why they don't say anything about this. But the larger point still is I think, you know, we talked about this several months ago on our podcast. I think the average fan would be shocked at what 
is sexually made available to many of these athletes, what is discussed, what is common practice. Um, and when you live in a world of that amount of licentiousness, it's much harder to draw a line between what's, a cons what's consent and what's not when already the answer most of the time is yes compared to no. And I think there's a larger cultural issue here about sexual boundaries we're probably not confident to ha we're not we're not comfortable having which i understand to some extent but when when these institutions are not and and or the legal system it's in michigan it's michigan state got rid of the guys the legal system then didn't put any of them in, in prison when the legal system in michigan state's case or the in, the administration in minnesota and baylor's case essentially drags people's character through the mud publicly and makes them a you know a, a straw man on ESPN every night, and then when the whole thing's adjudicated, Antoine Winfield Jr. is still on the field, and Art Briles got fifteen million dollars. What the hell was the point of all of this? Then mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense. There's a disconnect. We're, something we're missing. Something. That's that's I guess the best way I could put it, John. That's not the outcome that should be the result of the of of the controversy. That led into that 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 led, led it led off with. That's all. I'm well, in, in those instances that you're describing, I mean, it, it begs the question to me: was were the allegations factual? Did they have merit, um, or did the alleged victim just choose not to continue to pursue it because of the emotional? Uh, carnage and damage that can come from having to take the stand where a, a number of women throughout history have just not gone all the way yeah. to prosecute yeah. because they don't want to relive those events. In, yeah, some, in, in some instances, as you pointed out earlier with the Iowa State example, they're out, the, the allegations are made up entirely. They're fictitious, but they're ruinous. You, 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 know, you will ruin someone's life. Because the, the amount of pub and press and coverage that allegations will get versus, oh, well, it turns out that that was just a false accusation. Those things didn't happen. That will get, mm -hmm. that will get 60 seconds on the nightly news. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I see it. I see it in my line of work when things are, are – when fake news is sent out and it gets – and because it puts it, – it fits somebody's partisan bent – it gets 10,000 likes and retweets. And then when they do the correction, it's pennies on the dollar compared. Oh, I, see yeah. it, I see it every day, every day in my line of work, every single day. And in your line of work, I'm guessing that a lot of it is intentional because they know that the correction will not be seen at all, except by insiders. But the general dopes in the, in the voting populace, they have no clue. Um, interesting. Well, do, do I think that we rush to judgment at times? Yes, we do. Um, we've certainly, been, I've been guilty of that. Um, I have. It's, it's, but it's one of those things where you're in a new cycle. This comes up. It's a topic. And because of the salaciousness of the topic, it's going to have implications or ramifications. I, I wonder if this topic at Minnesota is going to affect, and again, I don't care. I'm just bringing things up. I, to me, this is hardly as important as getting to the truth of a matter of alleged rape. But will it have an impact on their football recruiting? Will it have an impact on the way some families look to want to send their kids there? Will that, ha will that be the case at Michigan State? Uh, it certainly didn't seem to slow Penn State down any, did it? I mean, that was a bump in the road for yeah, the, for, for the, for the really cultists. 
10-year crater. You know why? Like, what what because, kind of mom would want to send yeah. her kid to the showers where Jerry Sandusky sodomized boys? Yeah. Well, apparently it's it, it's easier to dig out of uh, out of a pedophile ring for 20 years on campus than it is hiring Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. That's apparently what we've learned. It's that's an easier that's an easier recovery. That mystifying to me, but it is what it is. Well, when you're a member of the cult of Happy Valley, you know, go state. That's it. It's pretty much what it is. Um, all right. Well, let's put a pause in it right there. And that will end this installment of the HN Podcast. Steve and I will be back a little bit later this week with our Bigger 10 edition. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.